Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. And we just thank you for your spirit and for your presence. And we know, Lord, that without your presence today, it's going to mean nothing, Lord God. So we invite you by the Holy Spirit to come. Fill this house with your glory. Fill this house with your presence. Let the glory of the Lord be amongst us, Lord God. Accomplish your purposes today. Let the enemy be defeated, your name lifted high, Lord God. As we worship, let it honour you, I pray, in the name of Jesus. As we seek your face, Father, let there be faith for the miraculous, Lord God, this morning. As we hear the Word, Father, let us, let us be transformed by the power of your Word. And we will give you all the glory and we will give you all the honour that is due to your name. So be glorified today. Let the enemy be defeated, we pray. And this we pray and ask in Jesus glorious name and all God's people said Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship together. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me Philippians chapter 1 Philippians chapter 1 Philippians chapter 1, just want to read the first 11 verses the Bible says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry through to completion until the day of Jesus Christ it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending or and con confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and, and, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and to the praise of God Almighty. And so, Father, we thank you for your word today. And I just thank you for the gathering of your people. I thank you that every time we gather together as the church, that you are present. And I thank you for your presence here. And Lord, I just pray that in the midst of the words that are about to be spoken, that your word, Father, would be uh, predominant, Father, and that it would, it would speak to our hearts. Bind every work of the enemy. Let, let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation every bit of fear and intimidation just let there be freedom to hear the word to speak the word let there be nothing in me that hinders this word i pray and let this word accomplish that which you intended to i pray and we ask it in jesus name amen and amen i want to speak today uh, on the theme god's good work in us god's good work in us Letter to the Philippians is a great letter, and the theme of the letter is actually joy. Uh, you see that the, the, the word joy or rejoice uh, actually uh, appears um, in uh, the letter to the Philippian church again and again and again. In fact, it appears uh, 19 times. Uh, 19 times. Um, the interesting thing is that Paul was writing this letter uh, from prison. 
so he wasn't writing this from a, an island, uh, the Caribbean or, uh, you know, somewhere, Fiji or somewhere. And, and let me write a letter to the Philippians while I'm here. You know, no, it wasn't, wasn't nothing like that at all. Um, there was no reason for him to have joy. He was in a cell. Uh, judge could sentence him to death at any time. He knew he was like, you know, potentially 24 hours away from, from dying. And, um, and so, but while he's there, he's writing letters. I just, I just, I just love the Apostle Paul. I love his uh, positive attitude and that no circumstance was going to bring him down. He wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel, but instead uh, he ends up in prison. And even in the midst of all of this, he has this incredible joy. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned, because you know, you can be in need and struggle, but you can have plenty and still struggle. Can I hear an amen? You can be driving a really nice car in a really big house and still, str- and still have, uh, you know, stuff going on inside of you. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one, I can do all things. The secret is Jesus Christ. The secret is my relationship with God, says the Apostle Paul. Paul knew something about joy because he had faced incredible dangers. He'd, 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 he'd truly experienced the whole spectrum of trials and tribulation and even the good times as well. And he knew something about joy. The key verse I want to dwell on is verse 6, which Paul then says, Being confident of this, that he who started a good work in you shall bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm convinced. I have this confidence. I have a conviction that he who began a good work in you, the person that started a good work inside of you, he's going to bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so the question that the scripture kind of raises for me as I was looking at this scripture is, well, what is the good work that God has started to do in us? What does that good work actually look like? What what is the good work that God wants to do in our life? When he says being confident that he who started a good work in you is going to, well, what is that good work? What does that good work look like? In our lives. Before I answer that question, I want us to look briefly at how the church in Philippi actually began because I I think it's really important. It's an interesting uh, passage of scripture. It's important for us to do do a bit of Bible research today, okay? Let's dive into the Bible a little bit because I think it's really important because one of the dangers for those of us who've been in faith for so many years is we forget who we were before Christ. There's this, there's this danger for all of us that, that have come to know Christ as our Lord and Saviour, that we forget, we take for granted what we experience here every Sunday morning. We take for granted the presence of God, the glory of God, the fact that we can, we can you know, uh, uh, hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to us. We think it was always like this, but the reality is it wasn't always like this. And, you know, when we, when we start to take our faith for granted, we, we start to get picky. We come to church and, and we start, oh, it's a little bit fresh this morning. Who's in charge of the air? That's not that song again, man. I just, you know. 
We never want to become familiar with the presence of God. There should always be a sense of mystery and, and just appreciation. Man, can't believe I'm here. So every now and then, I believe we need to reflect, think, remember what Christ has done for us. So before we go into the question, I want to I briefly look at how the, the Philippian church actually began. It's actually found in Acts chapter 16. It's the background of this particular letter. Paul and Silas were on their second missionary journey. We know that Paul was sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, the book of Acts. We talked about this last week, but the book of Acts is actually, you know, the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding the church. And as we get into chapter 16, we see that uh, Paul and Silas are on a journey. And, and uh, the Bible says, verse 6, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach in Asia. The sense there is that they wanted to preach in Asia, but somehow the Holy Spirit forbade them from going there. Then they tried to go to Bithynia. This is uh, verse 7. But again, the Spirit did not permit them to go to, to Bithynia. And, uh, and so obviously, you know, they, they went somewhere different. So if you keep reading the text, you'll see that during the night, Paul has this dream about someone in Macedonia saying, come, come to Macedonia. Paul discerns that this is actually the word of the Lord. And so takes this as a leading of the Holy Spirit. And so he makes a decision to go to Macedonia and off they go. It just, it just made me stop and think a little bit. Just, uh, just this whole, how was the Holy Spirit leading the Apostle Paul and Silas? You know, because sometimes, you know, we're not sure what to do. And we kind of say, well, I'm not sure because, because, you know, I didn't pray enough or, you know, I'm not spiritual enough. And so we kind of beat ourselves up because we're not sure. And, and you know, what, I've, what I know about God is that there are some times where God is really clear. This is, the, this is what you need to do. Off you go. But there are other times where, where God doesn't tell us everything, but we need to learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I was kind of thinking, well, well, why? You know, you take the people of of Israel when they um, when they crossed the Red Sea. You, you, God said to Moses, "I want you to just use your staff, touch the water, seas are going to open." And that's exactly what happened. But when they crossed the Jordan, which was a similar situation, they had to cross the Jordan. This time, you know, uh, uh, God didn't speak to Joshua and said, "You know, here, just touch." No, they had to start to walk by faith. It was as they began to walk in obedience by the, then God began to, the miracles started to happen. And here we kind of sense that, you know, God doesn't just want us to want to be our GPS. How many people would like God to be their GPS? Oh Lord, what would you like? Siri? Or instead of Siri, that God, what would you want me to do? Turn left, turn right. We would all like that, wouldn't we? But God doesn't just want to be our GPS. How many people know that if he was, that's all we would use him for? God wants to have a relationship with us. That's what God is interested in more than anything else with you and me. He wants, he wants to have a relationship with us. And so sometimes he speaks very specifically. And sometimes we just need to walk and trust the Lord. And so that's what we have here. So anyway, they get this, he has this dream. He wants to go to, uh, that, that there's a man in Macedonia saying, so they take off to, to, towards Macedonia and then they spend a few days in Philippi. While they're in the city, it was the Sabbath, Paul goes down to the river to pray. While he was there, he began to speak to a group of women, couldn't help himself. It's a group of women that kind of gathered there. One of them was named was Lydia. Paul was an evangelism machine. 
you know, he just, he just preached wherever he went. So Lydia was a merchant who owned a fabric business. And Paul begins to talk to her about Christ. She opens her heart and she and her whole family are, are baptised right there and then. <laughs> it's, all, it's all done. Um, Bible says when she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. And if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And so Paul and Silas stayed in Lydia's house. Now, Paul may have begun to think, you know, uh, well, maybe, maybe we got blocked, you know, in those other things because this is where God wanted us to be. Because God wanted us to be in, in Philippi and, and, and this must be the, the, you know, what God was intending to do. But then as soon as that happened, things began to go south. As he tries to lead others to Christ, there's a woman who's following them saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be safe. Sounded good, sounded right. Three days, the Bible tells us, um, she kept uh, following the Apostle Paul and Silas. And, and, then, and then at one point, Paul discerns that this is not God. There's actually, there's an evil spirit behind her that's seeking to distract and confuse what's going on. Bible says in Acts 16, 18, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Well, that was great for her, but not for her owners. Because this woman had a spirit of divination and she brought money for her employers and now that she was freed from this spirit, the owners weren't getting any more money and they were very clearly upset. So they brought Paul and Silas before the officials and accused them of different things. The Bible says then they were stripped in public, beaten with rods. They were thrown in jail, bound with chains. And at this point, who knows what's going through Paul and Silas' mind. Here they were, you know, uh, doing what was right and then they end up in prison. I don't know if, 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 it was, if it was me, I know what I'd be doing. I'd start to think, where is God? Doing God's will, so why is this happening to us? It doesn't make any sense. It's not fair. But Paul and Silas are not like you and me. Can I hear an amen? They have faith. Their faith is a little deeper. Instead of having all these negative thoughts, they began to worship the Lord. So, you know, I just loved it. You know, if someone said to Paul, well, how was your day? Well, it started off Okay. <laughs> It was pretty good at one stage and then, then it went south and blah, 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 blah. And, and here we are in prison. And so here they are, they're, they're in this prison cell and instead of having all these thoughts, they begin to worship in the darkest place. In the darkest place of their life, they began to sing hymns and began to praise and worship God. One of the things that we can do when we're in a dark place is begin to worship God. Can I hear an amen? Glorify God, begin to sing and praise God. Never underestimate the power of worship. We're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. The Bible says about midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. People are always watching how we deal with those dark moments in our lives. It's, no, it's, it's not enough for us just to have the rhetoric you know, uh, it's when we're in the dark times that the rubber hits the road, that people are watching and saying, well, let me see how you're going to respond now. You know, and something happens as we begin to worship. 
We don't just worship by chance in church. It's, it's a spiritual weapon. Praise brings the presence of God. The Bible says that God dwells in the praises of His people. It's something very, very powerful. Praise is so important. It's so important to worship God. Great are you, Lord. Elohim, you're, you're, you're the great God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. I often say to the worship team, you know, um, you know what, what's the measure of success? What's a win for the worship team? Like, like, like you know, because the real danger is that we get it all mixed up. What's a win for the, the, the worship team? Well, a win could be that we, we hit the right notes and, and, you know, the right tone and blah, blah, blah. Everybody, everybody sang to that, that was a win. Is that the win? And we want that. We believe in excellence. Not, I'm not excusing that. Musicians practice during the week in Jesus' name. But that's not the win because we can, we, can, we, can, we can play perfectly and there's no presence of God. For me, a win on a Sunday morning or during a worship set is other people worshipping. Other people singing, other people praising God, other people glorifying God. Because as we worship, as we praise God, the Bible says that God dwells in the praises of His people. As we worship, God's presence begins to come. That's why worship is so important. Worship is, is what brings us into the presence of God. Worship is what leads us into His presence. And in His presence, God begins to speak and begins to move. Worship is powerful. And here they were in a dark, smelly place and they're beginning to worship God. And there may be some of you today, you're in a dark place. You don't know what to do. You don't know what's happening. God seems absent, powerless. Can I encourage you to just begin to worship God? Just begin to worship God in that place because you'll be surprised what begins to happen. Some, sometimes we worship because God has been good to us. But sometimes we just need to worship in faith. Believing. That God is going to do something. Lord, I just thank you for breakthrough. Lord, I just thank you that you're going to make a way where there doesn't seem to be one. Lord, I just thank you for your grace. I thank you that you're above every circumstance. and every. Lord, I just thank you for coincidences that are going to happen in the name of... Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for what you're going to do in the name... I just thank you, God. You're an amazing God. You're the creator of the heavens and the earth. Worship is a decision of the will that says, I know that God is sovereign. It's like Job says, though he slay me, yet I'm going to hope in him. Not seeing much of his presence around me right now, but I'm going to hope in him. So Paul and Silas begin to worship and sing, you know the story. And as they're singing, there's an earthquake, chains came off all the prisoners, the prison doors are open, and they're all free to go. Man, there's a sermon just right there. <laughs> as we begin to worship, earthquakes happen. It starts to rain. There it is. Chains come off prisoners. You know, so many of us, you know, we may not have any physical chains, but how many people know we can be chained by stuff? We can be chained by all kinds of stuff that's kind of bringing us down in the name of Jesus. How do we deal with those chains? Begin to worship in faith. Begin to cry out to God in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Prison doors can be opened. And they were all free to go. Jailer, seeing this, is ready to kill himself. He knows that if the prisoners escape, he's going to lose his life. And Paul says to him, no, don't do that. We're all still here. And so the jailer throws himself at Paul and Silas' feet and asks a great question. 
Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I believe it's the most important question we can ever ask in life. The one most important question that we can ask. What must I do to be saved? And Paul gives a great answer. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved, you and your whole household. It's powerful, powerful, powerful uh, response to a great question. What must I do to be saved? There are some of you, you might be visiting here today and you're kind of wondering, is this all real or not real? You know, uh, I, I don't know what to believe. I don't know, I don't know what to think. Um, and, I, and I believe one of the greatest prayers that we can pray to the Lord is say, Lord, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And I, and, I, and I believe when we open our hearts to God, sincerely, He will answer. And the answer is really simple. Just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And believe there is not, well, I just believe. No, it's, it's a, I put my faith in Christ. I choose to follow Christ. There's only one way that we can be saved, and it's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Money can't save us. Good works can't save us. Religion can't save only Jesus can jailer takes them to his home and the whole family now is saved and baptized magistrate then finds out that these guys were were Roman citizens he gets a bit nervous and so he lets them go free and so Paul and Silas say goodbye to Lydia uh, encouraged that the group um, encouraged the group that had you know like it's like a home group that's just been formed it's been developed. It's got Lydia, a few ladies, got the jailer and his family. And, 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 and Paul greets them and off he goes. And that is how the church in Philippi was birthed. More, more than any other of Paul's letters, this letter comes from Paul's heart. You kind of get this really emotive language in Paul as he writes to this church. Notice the language. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day into now. As he was thinking about this church, he was freaking out. He was going, I just can't, I just, I just can't believe what God did in that time. Wasn't sure where to go, Asia, Bithynia, wherever. Get this, we end up here and, and this church is birthed. And he says, I thank God every time I think of you. I rejoice because of how you responded to the gospel from the very first day. I mean, here they were, they hear the gospel message, they accept Jesus Christ, they're baptized and the whole households are baptized. And Paul's going, that's amazing. Here's the thing. Not only did the church in Philippi have a testimony, but we too have a testimony. We too have a testimony of how God saved us. You and I have a testimony of what God has done in our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got a story to tell as well. How God revealed himself to us. Usually the salvation story goes something like this. You know, I used to be far from God. Didn't know God, didn't want to know God. I didn't, you know, I, you know when, I, when I thought about church, I thought boring. I don't want to be part of that. All they want is, uh, is my money. That's all they want. And I was far from God. But then someone talked to me about Jesus. Someone invited me to church. They kept pestering me. So I decided I'm, I'll go one day. And as I walked into church, as I began to hear the music, as I heard the word, there was a witness in my spirit. There was a witness inside of me that said, now there's more to this than just what I see with my eyes. 
There was a witness in my spirit that said, this is truth. And, and, and I responded and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And my life was transformed. It's the miracle of salvation. You can't explain it with words. You, you can't explain it with words, but, but it's the truth. And I think from time to time, we need to stop and reflect, think, consider what Christ has done for us. I think there are times where we need, you're with me church this morning, is it okay, everybody okay? Uh, there, there are times where we need to stop and reflect who I used to be, who would I be, where would I be right now without Jesus Christ? What would my life look like without Jesus? For some of us, we'd be repeating prayers, thinking God is impressed with prayers. We'd be praying to statues potentially. That's what our life would look like. Going, oh man, I've got to endure this for another hour. Christ chose to reveal himself to us. And here we are in faith. I think we need to stop and reflect who we used to be because we can take our faith for granted. We can take our salvation for granted. We can, we can lose respect for what happened sometime back there where God revealed himself to you and me. We've all got a salvation story. It's powerful. And then Paul says, being confident of this one thing that he began a good work in you. He's going to carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus. Paul says to this group, to this church, I've got this, I've got this confidence. It's a word for some of us here today. I have this confidence. I have no doubt that he who started a work in you shall bring it through to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Remembering what happened way back there at salvation, the word of the Lord to you and me is that the work that God started to do, he will bring to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so that brings us to ask the question then, well, what is that good work? What is the good work that God started to do? Well, I, I think there's two or three aspects to that. The first work that God began to do is the work of salvation. The first thing that God wants for every person is salvation. It's love God, know God. And people ask, what's my purpose in life? And we talk about this a fair bit. I feel like I've been talking about this a, a fair bit in the last six months, 12 months. The first purpose is really simple. We're called to be saved. We're called to know God. We're called to walk with God, to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. It's where the journey of faith begins. It begins by salvation, by giving our life to Jesus Christ. Paul says to the Philippians, I want to know Christ and experience his power. Primary purpose that each of us have in life is to know Christ. And, and, and it's really incredible here because it's the Apostle Paul speaking. This is Paul speaking towards the end of his life. He's had incredible spiritual experiences, but he, but he still says, I think there's still more to know. Paul described God in Romans and says, Oh, the depth of the riches, of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing. Oh, the depth of the riches, of the wisdom, and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. What that tells us about our journey of faith is that this journey is exciting. It's a journey of never-ending discovery and wonder about God. That salvation is not just a one-off experience. You and I know that. 
Those of you that have been walking with God, you know that's the truth. Some, some, sometimes some people think, well, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Tick that box. Thank you very much. I'll see you in heaven. That's not God at all. So the first step in salvation is to give our life to Jesus Christ. But it's this never-ending journey of excitement and riches and understanding more and more about God. Salvation. Pastor Joe, what is that good work that God has started to do in my life? It's the good work of salvation. It's the good work of knowing God. I want to know Christ. I want to know Him. It's this obsession that the Apostle Paul had to, to, to know God and to know Him in a greater and a deeper way. Because it seems like the more I press into God, the more He reveals Himself of me, the more I find out about me, the more I'm blown about God, the more I'm blown away. I want to know Him. No matter how much we know about the grace and the character of God, there's so much more to know. That, you know, you might think, oh, you know, oh, God has been so gracious. But as you walk with God, it's like you get, you get a new and a fresh revelation of grace. And, 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 and you go, oh, my God, I just can't believe how good you are, God. No matter how much you taste the goodness of God, there's more to taste. In Jesus' name. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He, you know, and, and, and no matter how much you've, you've, you've experienced of God and, and uh, you know, God says there's, there's more. There's more that you can experience. That's for all the foodies, by the way, out there thinking about lunch already, you know. Uh, but taste and see that the Lord is good. That no matter how much you see of God's truth, there's so much more to see. And our, our journey of faith is an incredible adventure into, into knowing God, into knowing God. Who God is. Paul goes on to say, not that I've already attained all of this or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. What, what, was, what was the goal that Paul was speaking about in life? Not that I have already attained all of this, but I, but I push on to, 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 to reach the goal. What, what was his goal? Maybe his goal was to open more churches. Maybe that's what his vision was. Maybe his goal was more miracles or bigger meetings. Was that his goal? No, I believe at the core of Paul's heart was this unflinching passion to know Christ. I want to know him. I want to know him. Man, if I could just motivate you, if I could just encourage you, if I could beseech you to fall in love with Christ, to fall in love with God and, and to press into God and say, God, I want to know you more. I want to know, I want to, I want to know you in a greater and a deeper way. That, that no matter how much you've known him up to now, there's more to be known. There's more to be experienced. Man, there's, 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 there's more to understand and know about God. Pray that as Christians, we will never lose sight of who God is. What is the good work that God started to do in our life? It's the work of salvation. And by salvation, I just don't mean just, just step over into faith. I'll give my life to Christ. It's the, it's, the, it's the good work of knowing Christ. I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know his power. I want to know who he is. Second work God has begun in all of us is that of forming Christ in us, it's the work of sanctification. After knowing Christ, the second thing that God wants to do in us is to form Christ. Notice how he prays for the church. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Notice Paul is praying for the church. Paul's desires for the church to continue to grow. It's love God. It's grow together. Sound familiar? It is. It's right here. He's praying for them that they continue to grow in love, in their love for God, in their love for each other, in knowledge, in wisdom and discernment. That they be able to discern what is best. Look at what he says. Um, so that you may be able to discern what is best. That kind of, that phrase struck me a little bit there. That you may be able to discern what is best. Because so often we settle for what is second. To be able to discern what is best. To be able to discern things that belong to the kingdom of God. Things that have eternal value. I think if Paul was here today, he'd pray the same things for you and me. And then he goes on to say, and maybe uh, discern what is best and maybe pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That speaks about character. Paul is saying, I'm praying that you're going to grow in character. I'm praying that you're going to grow in your kingdom perspective and understanding that there's there's another world out here. Paul is saying that. You know how easy it is to get distracted with the things that we see. For we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And Paul is saying, I, I, I pray that you would be able to discern what is best. He's praying for the church and he's saying, I pray that you would be able to discern what is best. Don't commit your life to things that have no eternal value, but commit yourself to doing things that have, that have eternal value, kingdom things that are going to make a difference in eternity. I think if Paul was here, he'd pray the same things. After knowing Christ, second thing we must seek is to become more like Christ. God, through the Holy Spirit, begins to speak to us, removing wrong attitudes, thoughts, convinces us about things that need to change in our lives. Paul, Paul then goes on to say, Philippians 2, this scripture comes out of Philippians. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. We know that scripture. Paul says we need to work out our salvation. We want to grow in our faith. We need, to, we need to be intentional about it. It's not just going to happen. Paul goes on to say, for it's God who works in you, to willing to act according to his good purpose. We do our part, but ultimately we grow by the grace of God. And, and, and I love the word works there. It's the, it's the Greek word energeo, a bit of Greek this morning. It's, it's the Greek word energeo. God gives us the energy, the power to change. For it is God who works in you, who gives you the energy, the power to change. What is the good work that God wants to do in our lives? I tell, you what, I tell you what the Holy Spirit wants to do. After salvation, this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Wants to form Christ in us. What does that look like? Holy Spirit wants to heal our wounds. The Holy Spirit wants to break those habits. Free us from strongholds. Rewire our brain. Help us to forgive. Help us to change. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit that guides us through the healing process. Not only does the Holy Spirit show us what needs to change, the Holy Spirit gives us the energeo, the power to actually be transformed in a Christ. I don't know about you, but, you know, in my own life, I see stuff, uh, you know, from time to time, God in his grace will show me, you know, what's really going on inside of me. And I say, Holy Spirit, would you help me? 
Sometimes I try to fix myself. Anybody ever tried to fix themselves? Good luck. All the best with that. I find that the more I try not to do something or try to change in some way, that it seems to get strengthened and stronger inside of me. That's why I love this scripture. Because it's, it's God who gives us the, 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 the energy, the, the power. Uh, it's, it's God who works in you. It's God that gives us the power to change. The Holy Spirit shows us and then says, let me help you. Because ultimately, if we can be transformed, it's only by the grace of God. And it's just relying on God. Father, you see, Father, you see these attitudes in my, Lord, Lord, I know I need to forgive, Lord. I, I know you've been speaking to me about forgiveness, but I don't want to forgive. Would you give me the grace to forgive? Lord, you see this pride that continues to trip me up, Lord God. But would you help me to become more humble, more like Jesus? Lord, you know this depression that just keeps keeps coming upon me and just keeps tripping me up, Lord God. Oh God, would you, would you give me the grace to work through this and to trust in you? Third work is the work of preparation to serve God. God first saves us, he sanctifies us, and then he prepares us to serve him. There's no greater joy than serving Christ. Paul says in chapter one, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, uh, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ shall be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For, for me to live is Christ and to die is, is, is gain. There it is. That's Paul's mission statement. If you ever went into Paul's office, on his wall, you would have seen his mission statement. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And there it is. It's the, walk that, it's the work that God wants to do in our life. He wants to give us a vision of the kingdom. He wants to give us a vision of what He's doing on the earth. He wants, wants to show us our place in what He is doing on the earth. Because when we are in the place where we're doing what He has called us to do, we're going to, we're going to be experience, we're going to experience life. Paul doesn't say for me to live is comfort or money or career. He says for me to live is Christ. Well, Pastor Joe, what does that mean? Do we need to go on missionary journeys like Paul? No. Now what it means is if I'm a teacher, for me to live is Christ. Man, if I'm a, if I'm a teacher, I walk into that I walk into that classroom as if Jesus was walking into that classroom. What would Jesus say to this classroom today? It's what I want to say. If I'm in business, I live for Christ. What, what would Christ do? If He was running this business, how would He run this business? What are the decisions He would make? What would He do with the, with the prophet? What would He do for me to live as Christ? If I'm a homemaker, for me to live as Christ. If I'm a tradesman, for me to live is Christ. For me, wherever I am, for me to live is Christ. Lord, what do you want to do in and through my life? And when you get a revelation of that, it's just powerful. You live differently. You work differently. It's not, oh, Monday. I can't wait for Monday because that's when I get to do what I'm called to do. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. What is the good work that God has started to do? Good work is the preparation for the work which God has called us to do. God works in us and then He works through us. Paul is saying to this group, to this church, I have this confidence. Listen, church, 
I have no doubt that He who started a good work in you will bring it through to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And I wonder, there might be some of you here today, you've lost your confidence. You've started to doubt. You know, when you first gave your life to Jesus, you were excited. Couldn't wait for church. Every time you came to church, it was the right song, the right message. It was just for me. But then over the years, it's begun begun to wane. And now you don't have that same zeal or that same confidence that you, you once upon a time used to have. You started to doubt, discourage, you're down, given up on yourself. It's all too hard. Can't do it anymore. Feels like one battle after another. I just can't do it anymore. Feel like you're just going around in circles. If that's you today, because that's what the enemy wants to convince us. It's what the enemy wants. He wants us to lose our confidence in our walk with God. The Word of the Lord to you and me is being confident of this one thing, that He who started a good work in you shall bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So press into God. So don't give up. Do not throw away your confidence. It's going to be rewarded. You just need to persevere. You just need to pray one more time. You just need to read the Word one more time. You just need to come to church one more time. You just need to worship one more time. You need to just keep pressing into God. Don't give up now. The good work that God started to do, He's going to bring it to completion in your life and my life. God doesn't save us and then go, ah, oh, now you're on your own, buddy. You know, the word confidence comes from a Latin word, fidere, Italian word too, which means to trust. Why not declare today? Well, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that the work you started to do in my life, you're going to bring to finish. You're going to, you're going to bring to the end. Be encouraged today. God hasn't finished with you yet. Oh, come on, church. Get up one more time. Pray one more time. Try one more time. Remember how far God has brought you. Remember how far God has brought you. Because so often we forget where we were. We forget how far we've actually come. We feel like we're not moving, but as, it's as you reflect back on who you used to be that you remember what God has actually done in your life. He didn't save us for nothing. He saved us so that we could know Christ, so that we could become like Christ, so that we could be used by God. God works in us so that He can work through us. Being confident of this one thing. I'm confident of this one thing. He started a good work in me, shall bring it through to completion. And maybe right now in your life, you, you, there's a wall in front of you. There's a block in front of you. There's an impossibility in front of you. That's saying to you, this is it, buddy. It's over. Well, you need to talk back to that wall and say, I'm confident of this one thing. That he who started a good work in me, it's not going to, God is not just going to get, it's He who started a good work in me. He is going to bring it to completion by His grace and for His glory. That The God who brought you this far will finish the work that He started in you. You can be confident of that in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? Father, we just come before you. Today, in the name of Jesus, 
And I just thank you for this, your word. You know, the enemy has one strategy, Lord, and that is to take away our confidence. The enemy wants us to get to a place in our life where we say, well, this is, this is my lot in life. Nothing's ever going to change. Everything's always going to be the same. Might as well give up. Father, we rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. We, we rebuke the enemy of our soul in the name of Jesus. We rebuke that thought, that belief, that confession that says, this is as good as it gets. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. We stand against it in the name of Jesus. And we confess the truth. It says we're confident that what you've started, you're going to finish. That, 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 that you, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna bring to completion the work you started. That mountain that's before me, it's going to go in Jesus' name. Who are you, almighty mountain? Who do you think you are, mighty mountain? It's not by might, not by power, by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. That those dry bones that just seem so dead, there doesn't seem to be any life, Lord God. That you're going to send your word. We're going to begin to speak the word of the Lord over those dry, dry bones, Lord God. And they're going to start to come to life. You're going to send the wind of the spirit that's going to breathe life into those things that seem dead right now in the name of Jesus. We will be a people of faith. We will be a people, Father, that will believe. We're going to put our faith in You, Lord God. We're going to put our faith in Your Word, Lord God. Believing that You're going to bring to pass what You started. And we thank You for it. The devil's a liar. Your Word is truth. And I thank You for what You're going to do. If you're a guest here today and you've never ever given your life to Jesus Christ, you know the whole journey begins by just inviting Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. And it's just a simple prayer that says, Lord, I want to know you. I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. The miracle of salvation happens just by inviting Jesus Christ into your Lord and, as, your, as your Lord and Savior, just inviting him into your heart. It's what we all did one point in our lives and we were never the same again. Why don't you do that this morning? Just praying a simple prayer. Lord, just come into my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to serve you all the days of my life. When you pray a simple prayer like that in faith, the Holy Spirit begins to do a work in your life that you will never ever regret. And I pray that would be you today. And if you, want to, if you want me to guide you through that prayer, you want me to pray for you, I'm going to be standing here at the front. I'd love to pray with you. Don't leave this place being unsure of eternity. Give your life to Jesus Christ. The rest, God bless you. You have an awesome week in Jesus' name. And we'll see you back next week. God bless you.